0: the Borg. Lower your shields and surrender your ships. Hi, this is Kenny from California and you're listening to the Treks and Sci-Fi Podcast. culture will adapt to service us. Resistance is futile. Well, thanks for that intro, Kenny from California, longtime friend of the show. This is Rico and of course, this is Treks in Sci-Fi Podcast number 117 for April 22nd, 2007. Going to look at the two-part Next Generation Star Trek episode today Unification with the return of Leonard Nimoy as Spock Got some uh, news from the Star Trek and Star Wars universe to talk about A book review and a collectible review So, uh, big uh, pack show for you today Let's get to it Rico. Rico. Drexin sci fight. Drexin sci fight.
1: Captain. Incoming message. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise.
0: Rico. Re- 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 Rico. 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 Re re re, re, go. Proceed.
1: Shut up, Wesley.
0: Shut up, Wesley.
2: Working. Working. Unable to comply.
0: Weekly dose of sci-fi Star Trek information. Engage.
3: I think we're in a lot of trouble. That's a great
1: help, Mr. Chekhov, Well, I think Mr. Chekhov's right. We are in a lot of trouble. Spock, and if you say we're in a lot of trouble... We are. I know this is like the back of my hand. Treks so
0: sci Well, hello, everyone. This is Rico, and this is Treks in Sci-Fi. Your, as the promo from the Moyers said there, your weekly dose of uh, Star Trek and science fiction news and entertainment along with uh, episode commentaries, movie looks, and reviews, and lots of other uh, uh, sci-fi and Star Trek goodness. Uh, Welcome to the show again, everyone. As always, I'd like to uh, say uh, welcome if you're the first time uh, you've uh, decided to, you know, check out iTunes and download this podcast. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to do that, and to uh, the longtime listeners, welcome back. It's been a uh, pretty busy week for myself, personally. We'll go through some of the uh, let's see the Rico news uh, for the week. Uh, looks like uh, it looking it's looking pretty likely. I'm going to have to go back to Taiwan again. I was there last summer. Uh, this is a work uh, related thing, and uh, it's looking like sometime in early early May uh, I'll be heading back for another week or so. I'm hoping and planning to to not interrupt the podcast and things, but it might not exactly work out that way. I may have to release show a day or two early or late. Uh, I'll keep everyone uh, apprised of the things that are going on related to that. Uh, Check the website, the forums, and those areas for updates on that. But it may get a little uh, confusing. Well, not really confusing, but there may be some slight changes uh, to the schedule for the next few weeks, but nothing major, I don't think, right now. On the uh, Star Trek uh, news front, uh, a couple things I wanted to pass along that I uh, saw on the headlines at uh, Star Trek Today, or Star Trek.com and Trek Today, things like that. Uh, one was, uh, and I'm hoping that somebody out in the listening audience went to it, but I believe it was just last weekend, the uh, regular yearly Grand Slam Star Trek convention uh, in California, Pasadena, I think. Uh, at a convention center, a place out there it was held last weekend, and I was hoping for uh, some reports, uh, some audio, some comments or something from somebody who went to the show. I know Kenny, who did the intro at the beginning of the show there, has been to that convention. I've been to it uh, before a couple of times, I think, I went to uh, it's been a while. Uh, I've got a friend that lives in California, so I visited him one time or maybe a couple times and went out there. But it's been several years for me since I've been to that convention. But I'm hoping for a report. Uh, sounds like they had a be- pretty good turnout. Uh, a lot of stars were there talking about their projects and things and what's going on with them. But I'm uh, hoping for a, a real, uh, you know, on the site report from someone. So if you've got something, send me some audio. Uh, you can always uh, email treksf at gmail.com or call the voicemail on 20688 treks one other uh, bit of news I want is going say uh, is related to uh, in the Star Trek universe it looks like Rick Berman who of course uh, pretty much ran all the Star Trek series after Gene Roddenberry passed away uh, he's uh, writing a book kind of uh, um, my days uh, working on Star Trek book I'm not sure when it's going to come out exactly I don't know if there's a an official date for that. Uh, Maybe by the end of the year? Nah, I'm not really sure. I just read that he's working on it, so I would expect it more maybe in 2008. Maybe they'll do some kind of tie-in with the next Star Trek movie since that's due towards the end of 2008. So we'll be looking forward to uh, looking at that and reading all about uh, Rick Berman and his days on Trek. (laughs) On the uh, Star Wars scene of things and the news and information, of course, things are heating up more and more for Celebration 4 out in Los Angeles. uh, Only about a month away now. Uh, I still kind of wish I was going to it, but uh, I'm just not going to be able to put it together and pull it together for this year to do it. Uh, uh, I'm hoping to go to a Celebration, maybe the next one. I, I actually am hoping to go... When there's a little bit more going on in the Star Wars universe, of course, right now we're kind of between things. The movies, the prequels have ended, and they're just slowly gearing up for the animated series and the live-action series, so maybe the next one, Rico, will make it to, uh, oh, there I go talking about myself in the third person. Hey, I forgot to say, uh, the drink for today is Orange Gatorade, not that everyone is really waiting to find out what Rico's drinking while he podcasts, but, uh. Or what I should say, what I'm drinking when I podcast. Get out of that third person mode. That's kind of freaky, man. <laughs> anyway, um, the other uh, the other thing I was going to talk about in the Star Wars world, it's uh, it's actually something pretty cool. Uh, I was contacted by uh, a group or a person that's working on a uh, kind of a Star Wars documentary uh, situ or situation. Uh, excuse me, Star Wars document documentary style film about. Uh, well, the making of the movie, some behind-the-scenes kind of things. They're visiting some of the Star Wars locations that they filmed uh, the various movies uh, in or and around. Uh, the name of this uh, this production and tale is The Force Among Us. And I think you can find more about them at theforceamongus.com. They have a YouTube uh, trailer video up and all kinds of good things. Anyway, they sent me an email uh, just yesterday, actually to uh talk about doing an interview with them and i am planning on doing it in the next couple of weeks they're going to be releasing this film uh their target is uh may 25th it's like when uh in in conjunction with the 30th anniversary of a new hope and the celebration for uh convention so uh, i'm going to be talking to uh them soon and be releasing that as a podcast so that's something to look forward to pretty cool they just got back from uh norway they went to uh Fintz in Norway, which is where, of course, they filmed uh, many of the best spin outdoor scenes from uh, *The Empire Strikes Back*. Uh, they went and visited uh, that location, went to the hotel that the people stayed at, and lots of cool stories from that. I'm not going to say too much more right now, but just uh, keep uh, keep tuned to Treks in Sci-Fi, and we'll be doing that interview very soon. Yeah. Okay, we're going to switch gears here just a a little bit for a couple of minutes and hear from Duffster again in a science fiction book review. Here we go with Duffster.
4: Hey, everyone, this is Duffster, and this is your sci-fi book review. Today we're going to talk about a series called The Asteroid Wars by Ben Bova. There's three books in this series, uh, The Precipice, The Rock Rats, and The Silent War. Um, it's a it's a very good uh, near-future science fiction series. The, the basic protagonist is a gentleman called Dan Randolph. The world is on the brink of destruction from some global warming, and uh, he has a great idea of um, trying to mine the asteroid belt for resources for Earth, but he can't figure out a way to get there. But uh, He teams up with a gentleman called Martin Humphreys who shows Dan uh, a gentleman who started working on a new fusion drive. Of course, no good deed goes unpunished, and Martin Humphreys definitely had alternate ideas on what was going to happen with uh, both of their companies. So anyway, this is a a really good series if you... um, If you like good classic science fiction from a great author, Ben Bova, I think you would all uh, appreciate going out and picking it up and and reading the series. It's it's got some great characters and a great antagonist in Martin Humphreys. Uh, And like any great science fiction book, uh, there's a lot of bases in uh, today's society that you can relate to. Corporate greed, uh, corporate backstabbing, trying to take over everything... So do yourself a favor, get a hold of this book for a good rock and read. And while you're at it, uh, if you see anything else by Ben Bova, uh, you can't really go wrong there. He's uh, he's a real good one, and he's been around forever and writing science fiction life with the best of it. Uh So for now, this is Dupter signing off. Got to leave you for one more point: read more science fiction. Ta-ta.
0: Thanks, Duffster, for that great review. Ben Bova is an excellent author. I've read some of his stuff. Uh, so check out that Asteroid series uh, by him. It sounds like it's some good reading there. I agree with uh, Dubster too. Read more. Uh, you know, science fiction, read more anything even, really. But um, sci-fi has always been my favorite. I just actually finished... Uh, uh, the second in the Star Trek Titan novel series it's called the Red King uh basically that's a series of books set uh aboard the u s s Titan commanded by uh Riker who of course is a captain now this is sort of post uh Star Trek nemesis time frame It's a good series of books I'll probably pick up uh, number three soon too now before we get into the main uh subject for this week, which will be the two part uh tng set of episodes unification got a few kind of housekeeping things to talk about the first is... Uh, the forums uh, just the last couple of days I did some changes to the uh, Treks in sci-fi forums which you can find off the Trek SF or Treks in sci com both of those web addresses or URLs will get you to the website but check out the forums if you're uh, if you're a member and you haven't been back in a while check it out uh, or join up uh, I've made some uh, changes to the look of the forums I think it looks pretty nice now I've got some uh, little news bots uh, that will uh, post stories sometimes uh, from the sci-fi and entertainment fields uh, and just kind of generally clean things up, uh, cleared out some old members that hadn't been around in a long time uh, and deleted a few old, old, old posts and stuff like that. But I think it's looking pretty nice. Uh, Hopefully everything's working well. I had a few little glitches when I first worked on it a couple of days ago, but I think everything's smooth sailing now. So check out the forums. The other thing uh, I wanted to mention uh, is more a little related to the podcast itself. I'm always looking for more of those intros for uh, the show. I've got a few still that I haven't played that people have sent in, and I'm always looking for more. So if you want to record maybe you know 20 seconds up to 30 seconds or so or a little less, uh, you know, just mention who you are and you know do some kind of little intro for the show, and it'll probably end up on the podcast. And lastly, uh, always looking for review or sorry, well yeah, review for uh, the podcast on iTunes. Uh, don't have a lot of them up there, maybe about a a dozen or two dozen. Uh, but I'm always looking for more. If you like the show, and uh, you know, go over to iTunes and put a review up. It's kind of neat too because you know you can have your comments there for all the world to see on on the uh, iTunes uh, listings for podcasts, so that's pretty nice. And and also, Podcast Alley, please put a vote in each month for the show if you're downloading and enjoying it. It only takes a few seconds to do, then you just have to confirm your vote in your email. So uh, it doesn't uh, create any spam or anything like that. I always try to tell people. So all those links are at the main page. Okay, well, let's, uh, without any further ado, let's get into the uh, TNG set of episodes, Unification, uh, from Star Trek's, Star Trek TNG's for fifth, uh, vib. <laughs> gotta have one of those at least every podcast. It's required by the uh, Podcasters Union guys and gals, so gotta have one kind of where uh, your tongue decides to do things it really shouldn't do, so. Anyway, the, uh, the two-parter, Unification from TNG, I've been wanting to do this set of episodes for quite some time. Uh, I was actually a little, uh, I'm always a little bit hesitant to do the two-parters because uh, really the time constraints really of the podcast. I suppose I could break it up over two different podcasts, do part one in one podcast and do part two in another, but that's kind of hard to do. You lose the momentum of talking about the episodes. And I think especially with this one, with Unification, they're so tightly uh, tied together that it's really important, I think, to cover it all in one uh, one felt swoop or one fell swoop, uh, however the expression goes. So anyway, this, of course, is uh, the historic meeting of Leonard Nimoy as the character of Spock you know, meeting up with the Next Generation crew. Now, a little uh, background in history. Remember that uh, when uh, Next Generation first aired and all these subsequent episodes and seasons and unification didn't come till season 5 of the series but Gene Roddenberry and the people working on the show felt very strongly that they wanted to make a show that could stand on its own they didn't want to have a lot of references to the original series they didn't ha- want to have you know time travel and other uh, you know ways of bringing original series actors and characters into the the TNG time frame and era. You know, The slight exception was in the pilot episode where they brought DeForest Kelly in as Dr. McCoy. That was kind of a nice little nod. He's only on for a few minutes. And if you notice in that scene, they never even really call him McCoy. You see this old guy. Of course, the fans know who it is, and the people who really know Star Trek know who it is. But they don't make a big deal out of it. It's not like, oh, it's Admiral, Admiral, blah, 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 Kirk, or whatever. Or McCoy or Spock coming in to inspect uh, the Enterprise as it sets off. Uh, you know they don't do all that. So anyway, they don't. Uh, they really tried very hard for for many years to keep the two series separate. And by the time the fifth season came around for Next Generation. You know, the series had become very popular. The actors had really done a great job at making the roles, the new characters, their own. They really weren't like the old series and the old characters very much at all. And they hadn't done any stories, really, that crossed over very much. Just a few of them, slightly. But, and even after the first uh, season, I'd say that those uh, references were very far and few between. So, you know, kind of what changed, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at, or what. What made this happen? What what brought together things for this episode to take place? Well, I think the biggest one was actually the Star Trek, uh, the Undiscovered Country, or Star Trek: The Sixth Motion Picture that was coming out uh, in a month after this episode set of episodes came out. This these episodes came out in around November of 1991, and Star Trek: uh, The Undiscovered Country came out in came out in December of early December 1991. So. What they thought was that, wouldn't it be cool to kind of have a, a, you know, a little bit of a synergy or a crossover where they had an original series actor come aboard uh, the, the TNG series, and maybe even relate some references or some things that would uh, make you uh, think about the movie that was coming out? It was kind of a marketing thing to a degree, but they had, they, there were several stories that were floating around. Uh, Tracy Torme had a. a uh, sort of the first run at one where and he was a uh, story writer for this for the Next Generation series his idea was to bring Spock uh, into uh, the TNG era via the Guardian of Forever from the original series City on the Edge of Forever episode actually it was going to have two Spocks meet he was going to have the older Spock who was in the TNG time frame meet his younger sort of movie version self in a story and well that story didn't take off eventually there was a writer's strike uh, when they were working on that and they eventually got themselves to the fifth season and came up with this idea, this unification story idea. Now, keep in mind, uh, Leonard Nimoy was, you know, his story uh, ideas and things went into Star Trek The Undiscovered Country. And there it was trying to unify the Klingons, sort of a peace treaty of the Klingons with the Federation. And Leonard was, uh, you know, he's always been a sp- strong proponent of, of peace and those kind of issues and things and stories. And they also thought it was kind of a logical development that Vulcans and Romulans, who were basically related genetically and and years, years past, uh, were sort of uh, one was an offshoot of the other, uh, that it made sense that the Romulans, especially when their society and their government was starting to kind of basically kind of fall apart. And you see this even more so in the last Star Trek movie, Star Trek Nemesis, where you have this power play thing going on, with uh, Shinzon and all that situation. But the Romulans are not having a good time of it, and Spock uh, figures that this is uh, you know, a good opportunity to reunite or, or unify the Vulcan and the Romulan people. So once you had that story uh, genesis of idea in, in mind, uh, the script kind of worked itself out after that. Now, the actual, the actual story credit goes to Rick Berman and Michael Piller uh, came up with the story, concept, and idea for these episodes. And Jerry Taylor actually wrote the uh, teleplay for, uh, well, she wrote the script for part one, and Michael Piller wrote it for part two. But Jerry Taylor wanted to be an author eventually, and she actually wrote the novelization for Unification. They took this uh, uh, two-part uh, episode set and and. Kind of, exp- she expanded into a full full novel that was published. Now, the name for this episode, Unification, has uh, several meanings. Uh, I think for this uh, this episodes or these episodes, the first, of course, is the unification of the Vulcans and the Romulans. That's one thing. The other one uh, that was sort of a related uh, thing that was going on in the world at the time was the unification of East and West Germany. Uh, those two sides, you know, basically the same people divided by this, uh, you know, political boundary were at this time becoming unified uh, as, as one country. So that, that was going on in the world. And the other kind of thing, I think, that was happening here was the, the unific- unification, let's here goes Rico again, he's blabbering his words, <laughs> unification of the original classic Star Trek series and Next Generation. They really didn't want these two Star Trek series to be sort of adversarial. They wanted them to both be enjoyed by the fans and and the people, and also for uh, people to see the the connections between the two series and sort of, in a way, unify them. And that happens in both these two episodes in unification uh, on TNG's fifth season and also in the Undiscovered Country, especially at the end of the Undiscovered Country, if you recall, uh, Kirk has that little speech about uh, you know passing the torch kind of to future next generations, and you have the two ships, the Excelsior and Enterprise, kind of uh, split apart. And you know there's there's a lot of symbolism in the end of an undiscovered country, where they basically in essence pass the torch, the movie series torch, over to next generation. And again, that came out only a month after this episode, so. So there, that gives you some background. Oh, there's other little things like uh, the sets and things that were used in unification. Especially there's a, a Klingon ship that helps take Picard and Data to uh, Romulus. That was uh, those sets and things were still around due to the movie being worked on. Uh, little things like that, and uh, lots of crossover stuff because of the movie situation and these episodes being filmed at the same time. So there gives you some background and some history. Uh, there's a lot more to it, uh, but I think that will get us started in, in talking about the episode. I hope I didn't talk too long before we got to the clips and, and discussions about the episode itself. So without any further ado, I'm going to play the first clip. Well, we've got about five or six, I think, from each part. I tried to keep it to a minimum. I didn't want to have... The usual, like, ten and then another ten for the second part. That would have been again, a little too crazy. So we'll go through the first episode uh, first, of course. And uh, one last thing I wanted to mention. They, uh, the other thing that happened around this time frame was Gene Roddenberry passed away. And one really nice thing I thought that they did at the very beginning of uh, this episode of Unification and they did it with uh, Part 2 as well, I think, as uh, they dedicated these episodes to Gene Roddenberry's memory. So that was a very nice touch. And, uh, you know, the, I think they really uh, felt that it was important that people realized, you know, they recognized Gene's contributions to Star Trek, but also that, the you know, his, his sort of memory and his, his visions for the future and Star Trek in general that w- would kind of endure and go on even beyond his death. So kind of a nice uh, tribute, and and I really like that they did that. So let's go with the uh, first clip in the first part of Unification. Captain's Log,
1: Stardate 45236.4. As I study the intelligence reports on Ambassador Spock's disappearance, I cannot help but feel a deeper, more personal concern about this mission. For I know this man through his father. It was barely a year ago that I shared a mind meld with the Vulcan Sarek. Now we must meet again as I attempt to find an explanation for his son's actions. We're coming into orbit of Vulcan in less than an hour, Captain. We should tell Sarek's wife of our plans. It's already been taken care of. She's transporting over at 0700. And Sarek? She says he's too ill to make the trip with her. The man is dying. And it's my honor to tell him that his son betrayed the Federation. How well do you know Spock? I only met him once. What I know of him comes from history books. And of course, I mind meld with his father. Well, that must cover a lot of ground. Not as much as you'd imagine. Sarek and Spock. Well, sometimes fathers and sons. Mm. Understood.
0: So there you have the uh, the kind of setup for the episode. Spock says is, is, uh, they've discovered he's uh, Romu- or um, Starfleet intelligence has found that he's on Romulus. They're not sure why. It, it's um, you know it's a little far fetched that that Spock and everything he'd gone through in Starfleet uh, you know people for some reason would you know kind of immediately think oh he's defecting he's going off to you know stay with the enemy. Uh, I have a little trouble with that. Uh, they've really have never set up any kind of a reason for Starfleet to doubt him, and for them to kind of think that, well, it's a little far-fetched. But, of course, it has to kind of set up the episode, uh, and and it gets uh, Picard and Data to end up going there so to find out what's going on. And the thing going on here with the father-son situation, that's kind of a theme through this episode. Sarek and Spock, of course, never got along very well. Uh, Sarek didn't really want Spock to go into Starfleet. And, you know, that put them at odds for many years. Although they kind of, I thought, settled their differences throughout the movie series, especially by the end of Star Trek IV. I thought that they kind of settled things a little bit. But here you can find out that they still really don't see eye to eye. And, of course, Picard had mind melded with Sarek. Sarek's going through this disease that's basically um, messing up with his mind, his control over his emotions, and he's dying like... Uh, Like Picard said, there. So it's it's a difficult time, and since Picard had mind melded with him, it kind of gives him some insight and and deeper uh, feelings for the characters. And you know, another great—I have to say—even though you just got Leonard Nimoy in this uh, set of episodes, uh, you also have uh, some other actors that uh, are very uh, well known in the Star Trek uh, series, especially Mark Leonard as. Uh, Sarek is Spock's father, who always did a great job in that role. Perfect, really, I thought, for Spock's father. Really, really wonderful actor, and, and he's missed now. But um, there's also another uh, character actor that you get to. His name is, uh, I don't think I pronounced this ever correctly, but his name is uh, Malachi or Malaki Throne. He plays the Romulan Pardeck in this episode, who has a pretty prominent role. He played Commodore Mendez in the two-parter menagerie from the original series. So he's been around Star Trek for a long time, and he's still alive and well these days, I I was happy to find out. He's almost 80 now, I think. So uh, that's pretty cool. And I think he turns up at conventions still sometimes. So anyway, let's get on with the clips. Uh, The next one, this is the scene where uh, Picard goes to visit Sarek on Vulcan. Sarek's in a bad situation, but uh, Picard's trying to get some information about Spock from him.
1: Spock, coming to me. With optimism about maintaining a continual dialogue with the Romulans, I told him that it was illogical to maintain such an expectation. Spock was always so impressionable. This Romulan Pardek had no support at home. Of course, in the end, I was proven correct. I gave Spock the benefit of experience, of logic. Nevertheless. never listen. Never listen. It has been suggested that Spock might have defected. Never. I will accept many things, but never that. But you believe he might have gone there to see Pardek? Romulan senator? How do you know Pardek?
0: I've heard of him. So there you can hear uh, Sarek uh, is is kind of losing it. He's basically going Vulcan senile. I mean, he, he's uh, got Vulcan's kind of Alzheimer's in a way. He's uh, unfortunately not doing well. And uh, he subsequently dies in this episode, which we'll talk about uh, in, in a bit, which which has a pretty big impact on things, I think, throughout uh, what happens. So the next, uh, next clip, we get to... Moving through the first part, one one thing I have to say here that I was a little when I first watched this episode way back in uh, in November of 1991 uh, when it first aired, I was a bit disappointed in part one. Uh, although I think now it's a, it's a good episode, and once you have the both parts to look at, you can understand uh, why they did this. But it's you know the character of Leonard Nimoy. It was very well advertised and set up that oh Spock is coming back to uh, the ne- you know Star Trek and Next Generation. And uh, you don't really see him in part one until the very, very end, the last few seconds of the first part. Of course, he's in part two quite a bit, but I thought it was a little bit of a tease. I, I think that they only had him in such a brief, mo- you know, amount of time in part one, and and they did, um, you know, use him all in in part two. But I think they should have put him a little bit more in part one. I think that was a little bit of a Eh, that's kind of a a typical trick, you know, hey, let's really set things up, let's have something big happen at the very end of the episode to get everyone to come back for the second part. Uh, It's still a good first part, you can really, when you watch them back to back, which I did last night, again, getting ready for the show, it, it makes a really good set of episodes and it makes sense that you don't introduce them sooner. I think they would have really had to drag things out then in part two, perhaps, because of that situation. So I'm okay with it now. At the time, eh, I was a little less okay with it. But anyway, let's move on. The next clip is on the Klingon ship. There's a Klingon ship, uh, a cloaked ship that can, of course, make its way to Romulus undetected, and it's a bird of prey style, and Picard and Data decide to go there and to try to find out what's going on with Spock and why he's there and so forth. And the uh, fun thing about this episode, and it, it you don't really hear it in the clips, but the neat thing they were able to do in this is they made uh, Picard and Data look like Romulans. And, you know, the hair, the ears, the foreheads and that. And remember in Next Generation time, they gave Romulans kind of this funny little forehead, kind of ridged forehead a little bit. Not quite as much as the Klingons got, but uh, a little different. One thing that I was watching this episode again, that uh, struck me, uh, and I, I remember even the first time I saw it. But you know, Spock uh, Leonard Nimoy's character is on uh, Romulus and walking around, and but people, uh, you know, he looks like Spock. He doesn't have a weird forehead, and he's got the pointed ears. But all the rest of the Romulans, they've got the forehead. So how come they don't go, hey? That guy's not a Romulan. He doesn't have a little funny forehead like we do, but he kind of passes himself off as a Romulan. So, you know, maybe that you you can say that on Romulan, uh, you know, on Romulus and Romulans in general, they don't all quite look the same. You know, some have just pointed ears, some have a funny forehead and pointed ears or whatever. So I I can let that go. Not a big deal, but I just thought it was kind of funny. So here we go. Here's the clip on the Klingon ship.
4: I want to know why
1: we are going on this mission. I'm sorry,
0: it's a classified
1: matter You're going after the Defector, aren't you? Defector? Do you think information like that stays a secret? Ambassador Spock has gone to Romulus and you're going after him Captain, your orders are to take us to a set of coordinates near Romulus and to bring us back And that is all I'm prepared to discuss If we are discovered by the Romulans, it means death for us all I realize that. Go high! Bishop! Very well, Captain. We have set a course for Romulus.
0: Yeah, Picard was able to use his his influence. He had done some uh, helping out with Gauron and the Klingons, you know, in in the past. So he was able to swing himself, uh, uh, getting a uh, Klingon ship to help them get to Romulus. So that uh that's how he's aboard there and again they were able to use some of these sets that they had around from uh the undiscovered country so that helped to keep the budget down uh, i also have to mention that uh in, in looking on the background of this episode that letter anymore basically took uh uh he didn't ask for a huge amount of money to do this episode uh so i think that's kind of cool that uh, he was able to uh, you know just work for a little above as they call it scale uh uh, which is sort of like the minimum wage for actors. So that was kind of a nice thing, I thought, and helped keep the pricing prices down for the episode. And again, like I said, this they had a lot of sets and things around from the movie, so they were able to utilize some of those. And the next clip this um we're still in in part one, and there's a couple clips left. This one is when uh, they get a message aboard the ship and Picard is informed that Sarek has passed away. And that's, uh, it it hits him pretty hard because of his mind meld and his association with Sarek. So here's that clip.
1: You have seemed unusually pensive since we received the news of Ambassador Sarek's death. Sarek and I share a particular bond, our lives touched in an unusual way. I admit, I feel the effects of his death. The tenor of this mission has changed, Mr. Data. At least it has for me. We were sent to confront Spock about his disappearance, and now I also have to tell him that his father is dead. I do not entirely understand, sir. As a Vulcan, Ambassador Spock would simply see death as the logical result of his father's illness. It's never quite that simple, not even for a Vulcan. Certainly not for Spock, who is half-human. ...years spent in conflict, and now the chance to resolve those differences is gone. Considering the exceptionally long lifespan of Vulcans... ...it does seem odd that Sarak and Spock did not choose to resolve those differences in the time allowed. Father and son, both proud, both stubborn, more alike than either of them are prepared to admit.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting to note that, uh, you know, a lot of the main characters here, Picard, Spock, and even Riker, uh, never had very good relationships with their fathers. And that's kind of a running theme throughout these episodes as well. In the, you know, trying to resolve that uh, situation. And there's a nice scene at the very end of the second part where I'll play uh, a little bit of that for you that helps Spock with... uh, kind of getting over that situation a little bit the last clip here that i've got is at the very end of part one this is of course when the uh uh, picard and data have made their way to romulus and are about to meet a legend uh spock so here you go
1: wait here what for what have you brought us here
3: for welcome to romulus captain picard Don't let our soldiers frighten you. We had to get you off the street as quickly as we could. Romulan security knows that you're here. I am Pardek.
1: You are among friends, Captain. I have come on an urgent mission from the Federation. I'm looking for Ambassador Spock. Indeed. You have found him, Captain Picard.
0: Okay, well, that takes us to the end of part one of Unification. Uh, I thought what I would do here is I have a couple of entries to play from listeners. Uh, one is, of course, the usual father and son Moyer review, which I'll play at the end uh, of our look at the second part. But this one I want to slip in is from John uh, John Semlak, who's called the show before. He's currently living in Russia, and he has some thoughts on Unification. So I'm going to play his couple-minute uh, clip now, and then we'll uh, be back with part two.
5: Hello, Rico, this is John Simlock calling from Russia, and I just wanted to get my comments in about the two-part TNG episode, Unification. Uh, Unification is one of my favorite of the two-part episodes from TNG. Um, Interestingly enough, to me, when I think back about it, I remember it very well, and I, I remember it as being kind of the height of mass popularity of Star Trek TNG. Uh, you know, with the entrance of Spock, you know, a, a very widely recognized character, I think, did a lot for that. Um, a, a good friend of mine told me a story about how when he, when this episode was originally broadcast, he had, had a large group of friends over, many of whom were not Star Trek fans. And when Spock came on at the end of the first episode, the crowd simply stopped to watch. You know, that, that, that was a huge impact. Um, myself, when I saw it, I remember Spock coming in and at the end of the episode and I Seeing him, it it brought this feeling of wanting, like meeting an old friend, and wanting to come up to him and say hi, how you doing, and so forth. It was just such a rush of good feeling. I I I thought. Um, I think the episode also was timed particularly well to have a a a a big impact. Um, It was came out I think relatively you know, not far from the Star Trek film, Star Trek VI, which obviously heavily featured Spock, so there was good crossover. And it also uh, came near the unfortunate event of Gene Roddenberry dying, which, while obviously a tragedy, I think created a desire to feel good about Star Trek. And I think that perhaps, um, you know, had uh, some spillover on this episode. The episode itself was just enjoyable. I, I just found it a kind of an exciting, very standard, good Trek episode. You know, uh, the, the the main characters get in a difficult fix and find a way out. Um, my favorite part of the episode is, I think, when Data and Spock have their little heart-to-heart chat, as it will, being entirely logical, of course. And that was just really, really interesting. Uh, that's all I really have to about say about it. Uh, this is John Semlick signing off.
0: Well, thanks a lot, John, for your uh, great comments there. Uh, a lot of uh, things similar to what I was saying. And uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's a great set of episodes. And it was, again, very exciting to see Leonard Nimoy back in Star Trek, uh, especially since this came out you know, about a month before The Undiscovered Country came out. And that film really being the last time we get to see Leonard as the character of Spock. All right. Let's move on to part two. Part two of unification. Uh, the first clip I wanted to play, of course, is uh, the explanation clip, which which I'll call it. Uh, this is when uh, Leonard Nimoy Spock is explaining why he's on Romulus, what his thoughts are, and uh, you know, basically, you know, this is the scoop. And, and that not that he's any kind of a traitor or defector. That he's there, kind of on his own, is sort of an ambassador, but not a, a an officially sanctioned ambassador of the Federation, but as an ambassador from his, his people, from Vulcan, to try to y- unify and, and the, or reunify, in a, really is a better word, the Vulcan and Rivalin people. So here you go with this clip.
3: I know of your mind meld with my father, which enabled him to complete his last mission. It was an honor. He's a great man. He was a great representative of the Vulcan people and of the Federation.
1: I was with him before coming here He expressed his pride in you His love Emotional disarray Was a symptom of the illness From which he suffered No Those feelings came from his heart He shared them with me I know
3: Sarek would no more approve My coming here than you do, Picard For some time now I've been aware of a growing movement here of people who seek to learn the ideals of the Vulcan philosophy. They've been declared enemies of the state, but there are a few in the Romulan hierarchy like Pardek, who are sympathetic. He asked me to come now because he believes it may be time to take the first step toward
1: reunification. Reunification after so many centuries? After so many fundamental differences have evolved between your peoples? It would seem unlikely to succeed, but I cannot ignore the potential rewards that a union
3: between our two worlds would bring.
1: What is this first step that Pardek suggests?
3: There is a new proconsul in the Romulan Senate. He is young and idealistic. He has promised many reforms. Pardek believes that he may
1: be receptive to discussing reunification. Why would you not bring something so important to the attention of your own people? Or the Federation? A personal decision, Captain.
3: Perhaps you're aware of the small role I played in the Overture to Peace with the Klingons. History is aware of the role you played, Ambassador. Not entirely. It was I who committed Captain Kirk to that peace mission, and I who had to bear the responsibility for the consequences to him and to his crew. Quite simply, I am unwilling to risk anyone's life but my own on this occasion, so I ask that you respect my wishes and leave.
0: Yeah, that's a, bit, a little bit of a long, uh, longer clip there, and and some of these clips in the second uh, part that I collected are a little longer, but I think it's important stuff. Uh, see, Spock's a little resistant to... You know, bringing other people into this uh, mission of his, he doesn't want to risk other lives, and it's you know it's a gamble, but it's uh, it's something that he wants to do, something that he's uh, committed to doing, and he's trying to get Picard and Data to leave. Of course, that's not going to go very well. And uh, the uh, next clip I'm going to play though is a uh, it brings in a the character of Denise Crosby as the Romulan Selah. Now, remember, uh, this happens because of uh, the episode yesterday's Enterprise. Uh, Denise's character, um, Tasha Yar, gets, goes back in time in a way to to help uh, the Klingons out against the Romulans. That creates sort of a time change and things. And they end up having a uh, a daughter, this uh, character of Sela, who ends up in the... Uh, the TNG era in universe which is kind of a cool little thing she has this weird little blonde wig though in these episodes where she shows up which is kind of funny because all the Romulans and Vulcans of course are dark haired and, and she isn't and kind of kind of interesting uh, it kind of looks a little goofy almost but anyway here's a clip uh, a little bit later in the episode where she shows up and Spock decides that this Pardek that he's who's Malachi Thrones uh, character isn't really the friend he thought he was
3: it means that the Proconsul has apparently been attempting to deceive me. For what purpose, I cannot say yet. But his conversations with me have obviously been part of a greater plan which involves the stolen Vulcan ship.
1: How do you know that, Ambassador?
3: The time the Proconsul set for the subspace announcement of our peace initiative is 1400 hours tomorrow. 1400. Why would they need a Vulcan ship?
2: That will become clear very shortly. Captain Picard, welcome to Romulus. I trust you've enjoyed your visit. And this is the android I've come to respect in battle.
1: Lieutenant Commander Data. How could they know of this location? Someone has betrayed us.
3: Yes, you did. Spock. We've been friends for 80 years. It is the only logical conclusion. You asked me to come to Romulus. You arranged the meetings with the proconsul. And you knew that Picard and Data had returned to the surface with new information.
2: The great Spock. Very well. Senator Pardek, your service to the Romulan people is noted and appreciated. Jolan true, Spock. be distressed your dream of reunification is not dead it will simply take a different form the romulan conquest of vulcan bring them
0: so there you uh you see that there's sort of a little plan and a ploy by the romulans all along by selah that uh She's uh, she's planning on basically sending a small group of ships to uh, Vulcan uh, with Romulan troops aboard to try to invade and take over the planet. Uh, kind of a really, it's still to me kind of a far-fetched idea. Vulcan's uh, one of the founding members of the Federation. Uh, it obviously would create a war between the Federation and uh, the Romulans once that was discovered. But she's kind of bring it on. You know, she wants to do that, and it's. Uh, you know, one of the reasons the Romulans sent a small group of ships to do this is kind of a, eh, it's a bit of a Trojan horse situation where if they f- if they sent a huge fleet towards uh, Vulcan, they'd realize it's not sort of a peace mission, that it's an invasion ahead of time. So they'd be able to kind of, you know, defend themselves and get ready. So a small group, kind of a Trojan horse situation. But that's what the real plan is. And that's kind of why they've actually allowed Spock, they've kind of set him up and used him to create this uh, this ability or or circumstances where Vulcan will maybe be uh, you know not too suspicious of a small group of Romulan ships coming towards their uh, their homeworld, so so that's what that's all about and what the ultimate um, plan is for the bad guy Romulans, at least. I just uh, looked at my clip list and I, I got one a little out of order here. Though the next clip I wanted to play uh, is the scene with. Uh, that uh, john mentioned is between data and mr spock uh, kind of at a computer council working on something uh, and this is just a little before the last clip i played sorry it's a little out of sequence but it doesn't really matter this is the great uh, scene between the two of them talking about what it is to kind of be human be vulcan so listen to this clip
1: and captain picard has been a role model in my quest to be more human more human yes ambassador fascinating
3: You have an efficient intellect Superior physical skills No emotional impediments There are Vulcans who aspire all their lives To achieve what you've been given By design Hmm.
1: You are half human Yes Yet you have chosen a Vulcan way of life I have In effect You have abandoned what I have sought All my life
0: so there you have a good scene about uh, between Data and Spock about being human. And, uh, you know, kind of cool, uh, you know, Data has been trying to be human, be more emotional. You know, he has that whole emotion ship uh, that they talk about uh, several times throughout the series and in the movies. And uh, Spock, of course, Vulcan, half human, but has always tried to embrace his Vulcan side, uh, suppress his emotions. So very interesting uh I think the right word would be juxtaposition. Is that how you say that? I'm sorry. It's a little too early on a Sunday morning for Rico, but oh my, there I go with the third person again. Oh my goodness. <laughs> anyway, um, the next clip. This is when they've been captured of course. We're back to that. and uh, Sailor wants uh, Spock to basically read a speech to kind of uh, reassure everyone that these ships that they're sending towards Vulcan are okay, and let them in and all that, and I, I like this scene a lot because Spock just concludes and realizes that there's there's nothing to be gained by cooperating and I, I like his sort of matter of fact uh, way he tells her but uh, well listen to the clip
3: I will not read this or any other statement
2: if you do not you will die all of you will die
3: since it is logical to conclude that you will kill us in any event I choose not to cooperate
2: I hate Vulcan's I hate the logic, I hate the arrogance. Very well. Computer holographic program, Spock one. By taking advantage of holographic sampling during the last few days, we have created a programmable Spock. Run program.
3: This is Ambassador Spock of Vulcan. By now, Federation sensors are tracking three Vulcan ships crossing the neutral zone. These ships carry the future of the Romulan and the Vulcan people. Our long conflict is finally over.
2: Freeze. We would have preferred an interactive Spock who could have responded to questions, but this will have to suffice.
1: You're hard to believe this will convince anyone.
2: I don't need to convince them. Just confuse them long enough to reach Vulcan. End program. If you'll excuse me, it's time to send our ships on their journey.
3: Suggestions. Commander Data, are they still unaware that we have access to their computers? I believe so, Ambassador. Then perhaps you and I can find a way to create a diversion.
0: Ah, uh, yes, the uh, holographic Spock. Uh, get one for your home. <laughs> It's uh, it's cool, and you know, it's it's very uh, makes sense. You know, when you think about it, uh, that they have that kind of technology, and they could easily create something like that. Uh, so, um, but they they managed to get out of there, of course. Uh, a, a cool little scene where. Uh, they uh, disguise themselves and, and make it look like Riker shows up to rescue them, but they get away. Data learns uh, the Vulcan nerve pinch from Spock. Uh, that's kind of a cool little part, but hard to show in audio or hear in audio. So we're going to skip ahead. Um, I'll kind of recap the rest of the episode because I've only got one clip left to play. Uh, I did was going to play a clip with uh, Riker destroying or, or heading to destroy these uh, Romulan ships once they find out about it. Uh, but a big Romulan warbird kind of swoops in and takes out these, uh, well, they're Vulcan ships, but uh, with Romulan troops aboard, they kill about 2,000 Romulans just so they uh, couldn't be captured or anything like that by the Federation. So kind of ruthless, but, you know, that's kind of the way the Romulans are a little bit. Uh, but we'll get to the last clip here. This one is with um, at the end with Spock still wanting to stay on, on Romulus anyway to sort of unify the... Uh, the people. He says the mission is still continuing. And then the nice scene at the end where uh, Picard offers to Spock to let Spock uh, mind meld with him to sort of uh, get in touch with uh, what uh, Picard picked up from Sarek and when they mind melded. So uh, here's the last scene from uh, part two of Unification
3: An inexorable evolution toward a Vulcan philosophy has already begun. Like the first Vulcans, these people are struggling for a new enlightenment and it may take decades or even centuries for them to reach it but
1: they will reach it and I must help I have learned that it is useless to argue with you once your mind is set not at all Captain I have found our arguments quite useful almost as useful as those I had with my father would it surprise you to learn that he found them equally valuable Ironically, you may know Sarek
3: better than his own son does. My father and I
1: never chose to meld. I offer you the chance to touch what he shared with me.
0: It uh, unification parts one and two featuring the return of Mr. Spock Leonard Nimoy's character from Star Trek Legend Legends of Star Trek. <laughs> anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. I really like looking at these episodes again. I think they really stand up. Uh, they have some good meaning, uh, great acting. Uh, I think Leonard Nimoy does a great job as Spock in this set of episodes you know, back on television sort of format, uh, rather than doing the movies. Uh, seems very comfortable in the role, and it was it was cool to see him interact with Data and Picard. Uh, it was kind of unfortunate that they never got a chance to do this again. Uh, I know there was talk at one point that Spock would show up, Leonard Nimoy would show up at the beginning of Generations like uh, Kirk did, uh, but that didn't work out. So anyway, uh, but I still uh, really like these episodes. Great uh, set of episodes from TNG. Now, uh, I'll You look at uh, episodes uh, like this, and have been for several weeks now, wouldn't be complete without uh, a take on it by uh, Rick and Nathan Moyer. So here are the Moyers and their father and son review uh, about unification.
6: Hey, everybody. This is Rick. And this is Nathan. And this is is the father and son Son review. Review. Well, Rico, we're so excited that you're covering unification one and two. This is one of my personal, all-time favorite TNG episodes, and uh, I'm just excited that you're doing it. What about you, Nathan? What did you think? Uh, That wasn't my favorite, but it was okay. Well, you know, I think one of the reasons I liked it so much is because any time that The Next Generation had a guest star from the old series, it always made me nostalgic. I kind of liked it, like when McCoy was on, on the very first one, when we saw Scotty and Relics, and... I just thought that was cool when they bring back some of the old guys into the storyline. So it was really neat when we saw Spock. So let's say some of our highlights from the actual show. Uh, Cool thing that we actually get to see some Vulcan ships for the first time. Cool. And then we also got to visit Romulus for the first time. and That was really awesome. Uh, Let me see. I liked it when they introduced Senator Pardock. He's kind of cool. Yeah. And I also like the Picard and Data makeup. That that was awesome when they made him look like Romulus. That was very very cool. I really, I think one of my favorite um, uh, scenes. There was a couple of favorites in that in the in that series of shows. One of them was when Remember when Data is standing in Picard's room on the Klingon ship, and Picard's got to get some rest, and uh, and Data just stands there and stares at him, and Picard is like talking. I just thought that was hilarious. That was a great scene of uh, what would it be like if your first officer was an android? That's just hysterical. Okay, all right. Uh, Let me see. My all-time favorite scene in the entire two episodes was when Spock and Data were talking together. uh, as They they had that one scene together where Data looks at him and says, so the very thing that you're trying to do all your life is the thing I'm seeking after. And I just thought that was just a really cool, neat kind of thing because, you know, for a long time they thought that Spock and Data's characters were similar in the fact that they didn't have emotion and stuff, and I just thought it was just really cool the way that they integrated those two and they that was it was a very profound moment. We also got to hear on opera, which we My had not My top. I just like that. You just spit on me. Sorry. Well, that's what happens when you do Klingon opera. Yeah. Oh, I really liked it when they were in the bar. Remember when the the fat Ferengi they were you know they were waiting for him. And then, did you see the food he was eating? That big fish was gross. It was gross, and he wanted more napkins. And then, and then he goes, hypothetically speaking, and he goes, "I never learned to speak hypothetical." And that's when Riker pushes the tray over on him. That was awesome. Very, very good. Uh, we get to see R's kid, Commander Sela. Yeah, yeah, we kind of like her. She's kind of cool. And then uh, this was funny. Remember the part when uh, they did the hologram in uh, Sela's office? Mm-hmm. What was what? Was oh, it? the best part was when he looks at the hair and goes, "You didn't get Commander Riker's hair quite right." He had that little like little uh, curl mm-hmm. right on his forehead. That was hilarious. And of course, uh, we really liked the the term "cowboy diplomacy." That we just thought that was really cool. The only bad part about the episode. Was uh, that we only got to see Spock For uh, like one second Of the end of the first one And uh, we would like to see Have him have some more Some more screen time Yep So there you go That's uh, We really really Okay I really really liked it I'm going to give it four and a half stars out of five because it was one of my favorite all-time Next Generation episodes. Well, you give it, Nathan. I'd probably give it three. So you give it three. Yeah. All right, there you go. So uh, live long and prosper, uh, Rico, and everybody at Trekson Sci-Fi. And uh, this is Rick. And this is Nathan. And this was this the, the Father, Father and, son, and review. son
0: Review. Well, thanks, uh, Rick and Nathan, for uh, your look at unification. Glad you really liked uh, this episode set of episodes uh it uh yeah they're they're really good and uh i was actually that was a fairly serious review from you guys I, I was a little shocked so uh but that's uh that's nice thanks guys i really appreciate you sending those in hey uh let's get to a collectible uh, uh quick review uh the podcast is running a little longer than normal but uh that's okay got about five minutes i think left uh, we'll wrap this up uh what i thought i would talk about uh today are a couple of uh, star trek statues that i got uh, several years back uh these are of the two uh, main captains, I guess you could call it. Uh, one's of Kirk, uh, and he's in his uh, look and uniform style from the second Star Trek pilot where no man has gone before. And the other one is uh, is uh, Picard, Captain Picard, and he's in his look and uniform style uh, from the movie Star Trek First Contact. These were both uh, done by Playmate Toys. They came out around the late 90s, 1998 or so. Uh, very nice statues. Uh, you can still find these on eBay. They're, of course, not really being produced anymore. But I think uh, they really are uh, really good uh, good likenesses of both characters. Uh, the paint jobs are nice. Uh, they're heavy. They sit on a nice solid base. Uh, they're about, I'd say, about a little more than a foot tall each, maybe about 13, 14 inches tall. Uh, again, uh, uh made out of uh you know like a ceramic plaster kind of a typical statue type material uh very solid uh and uh real nice pieces i'm really glad i got these actually i think i got them uh uh fairly inexpensively uh, uh you know a couple of years after they had come out they were being sort of clearanced and discounted in places uh and, uh, I was able to pick them up for a pretty good price. So, uh, again, they show up on eBay occasionally, and I think you can get them for, uh, not very much money. So, the one reason I wanted to mention these is they're doing a new, uh, set of statues for Star Trek from the original series. They're doing a sort of a landing party set of the classic trio from the original series. They're going to do a, uh, they're doing a Kirk, Spock, and uh, McCoy that they all kind of, all the bases kind of hook together. You can you can display these uh, individually, these pieces that are going to be released uh, in a few months, or you can put them, uh, you know, as, as a group or or separately, I should say. So look for those. Uh, you can find those online, uh, I think, entertainmentearth.com, uh, uh, several other sites. Uh, one thing I want to mention on the collectible side of things, if you haven't checked out uh, KM Collect, uh, recently check them out of course you can get a uh, discount on their items a five percent discount till the end of may if you use the code trek sf2 uh so check out cam collectibles and there's information in that uh on the uh the forums and i'll put a link in the uh the podcast notes for this week so uh, just wanted to mention that again uh but uh yeah the star trek statues pretty cool stuff they've done a line of us uh, they're doing these statues now they've done busts and things, so you can see more pictures in the collecting collection gallery on the website, so check that out. And you know folks, I think that's just going to be uh, about wrap us up for this week on Treks in Sci-Fi. I hope you've enjoyed this uh, this podcast, look at Unification and some other things. Uh, as far as the future episodes and things, next week's show, next weekend show, is most likely going to be an interview with a, a book author who's written the, uh, the Star Trek um, book, uh, The sort of a collection of uh, short reviews on all the Star Trek novels and books written. His name is Jeff Ayers, and I've managed to get an interview with him. I'm going to do that next weekend. So that should be out for next weekend's podcast. Uh, uh, The Skype call that I announced, I think, on last week's show, uh, that's not going to happen the date that I had said. I've got to reschedule that. Like I said earlier in the podcast, some things are changing due to work and other considerations. So keep an eye on the main treksf.com and the forums for updates and and I'll announce things way in advance there for when those upcoming uh, call the Skype call is going to be I'm hoping to get one in before I have to go to Taiwan uh, possibly looking at May 4th but that's not definite yet so until uh, until I post it or announce it on the podcast just to kind of hang in there I'm trying to get one in before uh, before I have to leave the country again so you know it it is a lot of fun to go visit other places but uh, as they always say there's no place like home so Hey, everyone. Have a great week. The weather is good. I've got shorts on in Michigan, finally, and it's only the end of April. It's uh, It was about 70, I don't know, something, 75, 78 here yesterday. It's probably going to be about the same today. Sunny. Really feels good for a change to be able to open up the windows. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in and listening. Hey, and, and get a chance to go go check out iTunes and Podcast Alley and put some info down and reviews and votes for the show. Thanks a lot. i appreciate it. So. Until next time, this is Rico signing off. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. This has been a Rick Dostey podcast production. You said don't talk fast, and that's how you show excitement. By All right, talking. Okay. talk a little faster. Then. Okay. This has been a Rick Dostey podcast production. This podcast, copyright 2007, all rights reserved.